Hey everybody, this is Mark Danzi, and I want to say again, thanks for listening to the 419 Disciple Makers podcast. If you're listening to this, it's because you're interested in being all that God has uh, created you to be, to grow into the fullness of Christ. And every year we have a conference here at Mount Pisgah, and this year our conference is Empowered, Grow into the Fullness of Christ. And we want to invite you to be a part of this. Uh, Stephen Machia will be here, he'll be our presenter, he's a conference speaker, a ministry coach, a spiritual director, and it's going to be Friday, August 23rd. 7 to 9 p.m. and Saturday, August 24th, 9 a.m. to noon. So often we are working and volunteering and serving, and it actually can leave us exhausted at the end of the day, but this isn't the kind of life that the Lord envisioned for us. Actually, our serving, our working should be a fulfilling, enriching experience. You can go to our website uh, and get more information, mountpisgah.org backslash empowered. We really hope to see you there and uh, join us as we get empowered. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hey everyone, we are back with another 419 Disciple Maker Podcast and we're so glad that you joined us today because you are going to get to meet Heather Jalad, Reverend Heather Jalad. And we're so glad to have you today, Heather. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. You and I have not known each other very long. Um, just a few months, I guess, now yes. that you, we started working together here at the church. You've come on as the community engagement pastor, and you bring a wealth of knowledge and experience with you. Well, led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> oh, gosh. We'd all be in trouble if it weren't the case, right? Yes, sir. But what's so cool about you is that you and I were raised just a couple few miles apart in South Florida, and we never knew each other. Small world, You started it? telling me where you're from, and I thought, what? I thought it was, you're, it was a joke. Nope. And found out, my goodness. Homestead, Florida. Homestead, Florida. It's been on the news lately with the uh, immigrant yes. uh, centers there for the children, which was not there when we were I mean, I growing. feel like I grew up around immigrants with yeah. the migrant workers, the Cuban refugees, the Haitian refugees. I mean, we were just surrounded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think 17% of the uh, school population where I was down there mm-hmm. was uh, was Caucasian, and the rest was the whole world. Mm-hmm. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and so uh, it is it is it is Little Homestead, Florida is back in the news again, but it's so good to have you uh, here. I know you're good people if you came from Homestead. That's the way <laughs> That's the way it works. Okay. If you're listening to Homestead, that's good news. Now, Heather, you um, you uh, have the joy of the Lord all over you. Uh, we've sensed that. I mean, I've sensed that since the first day I met you, and I know you've relocated your family, and you, yes. you're married. You have a husband. and I do. 25 years. Martin and I have been—we celebrated 25 years uh, just this past January. Okay. What's the key to 25 years of Jesus. a Jesus. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> on our 25th oh, anniversary, we looked at each other, and I said, man, I would not be married to you if it was not for Jesus in our lives. And he said, same here. So we know romantic. it. No, we know it. We know it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a reality. <laughs> that is reality, friends. Yes. And so, yeah, and you have two daughters, right? Your yes. mom. Yes. I am a mother to two. I have a 20-year-old. We have a 20-year-old, Ariana, at um, Young Harris College. She'll be a senior this year. Mm-hmm. So proud of her. Uh, she's a graphic design major. And then we have a 16-year-old, Sierra, who will be a junior at Alpharetta High School this year. How about that? Yeah. So you got them in college and in high school, yes. huh? Yeah, they keep us on our toes for sure. Absolutely. And so... Um, you have been working with a group called Fresh Expressions that we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit later in this 
But I want you guys to get to know Heather a little bit and her story of faith. You know, the cool thing is everybody has a story yes. of how they came to the cross, of how, what Jesus has done in their life, from the earliest disciples to now, to the later disciples like us. Uh, so what is your story? Were you raised in the church and all of that or what? Uh, well, my grandparents were staunch Methodists. Uh, they were all about um, the kingdom. They taught me probably most of what I knew as a child about God and the church. And um, I went to church when I was a kid. I was actually baptized in the Methodist church, and God's provenient grace was at work mm. for sure. Um but church was something we did on Sunday, and it had nothing to do with the rest of our week. Um, it was it's right it. before the football, the Dolphins played, right? I, you know, know yes. <laughs> um, and so when I was in middle school, high school, um, we began to have the conversation about the fact that I would get to choose whether or not I went to church um, when I got a little bit older, and I don't remember what the magical age was. My parents were divorced when I was five, and so I was essentially raised by a single mother um, who actually worked in the preschool at the church as well. Um, but there was just a, 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 a disconnect there between the church and what daily life looked like um, and what it meant to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus. And so when I was in high school, I decided that um, the kids that were in my church in wonderful Homestead, Florida, were um, all of the ones that were um, doing all of the things that um, were less than becoming to the, the body of Christ. I'll, I'll say they were smoking, drinking, having sex, mm. all those, all those things. Not the pastor's kids, though. Um, uh. I don't recall. <laughs> uh, I don't recall that part. But um, we later had a divorced pastor. That was a whole thing. Ooh, yeah, that was a whole scandal. Thing. Yeah. So no, the the I just felt like there were a bunch of hypocrites there, and um, I just really wasn't living my life any differently than they were, and they weren't living their life any differently than I was. So I wasn't really interested, and I said, okay, I'm done with church. Mm. This is in high school. This was in high school. Um, dated a guy whose mom played the piano in um, the Baptist church down the road. And so I would go with um, him from time to time. And every time I left there, I was sure that I was um, going to hell pretty much. <laughs> oh. I, I remember crying and, and being certain that, um, you know, that was my fate. So um, really had nothing to do with the church for uh, the rest of my high school days and my young adulthood. Mm. Um, just it is did, such a consistent story I hear. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, so many yeah. people have that story. Yeah. So the other part of the story that so many people have is that, um, well, first of all, when my husband and I um, got married, we decided that we were going to raise our children Christian. I had no idea what that meant, and and he really had no idea what that meant. <laughs> but what I was going to say is the other part of the story that's so consistent is when we started our family is when we made our way back to church. That's when yeah. I found my way back to church. Yeah. Um, so a big part of that story is uh, my husband was raised um, irreligious, really with no religion or no faith uh, whatsoever, um, never prayed, never... his. Um, dad was born and raised in Damascus, Syria. Oh. Mom born and raised in um, Hamburg, Germany. 
And um, Martin was um, born in the UK and England, where his parents met and went to college. And um, when they were married, um, the church would not marry them because my father-in-law identified as a Muslim. Uh-huh. He was very much a cultural Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, he will tell you that I have read the Quran um, and know a lot more about the Quran than he does. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they have been nothing but supportive of us and of our faith and of my oh, um, uh, my occupation um, from the beginning. So, so um, you decide you get married and decide we're going to raise our girls Christian. Yeah. And then you look what at does each that other. mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I said to Martin, I said, you know, all right, we got to go. I got to go figure out who this Jesus is. You know, if we're going to raise our kids Christian, do you have mm-hmm. any interest in in knowing more about Islam? And he said, Nope, I'm good. <laughs> well, do you want to come to church with me? Nope. So I um I began um, going to church. I sat outside in the um in the gathering room of this church, which was kind of like the the space where the welcome area was. Um and um they had the the message piped out there, trying to figure out what in the world I was doing there for at least the first three four, five weeks, sat out there, listened to the message. And was, so you never really went in the sanctuary? I was terrified to go in the sanctuary. I was oh, sure man. the building was going to fall in on me. <laughs> so eventually I I made my way in there and it was tough, man. You know, it was, I, I still had no idea why I was there. And that was, I have to attribute to the provenient grace of God mm. and um, and God's Holy Spirit just now calling me there. to some of the some of our folks out there that aren't as familiar with Wesleyan terminology yeah. of, this word, the word "provenient grace" yeah. you're talking about that God's grace is is always working on our behalf. That God is always working on our behalf and calling us to God's self. Uh-huh. And um, and that grace was something from the time I was you know before I was baptized, but in my baptism that's recognized okay. um, as as a part of that journey and relationship with God. That's, so God's grace on people that don't believe in don't, God don't even. even know who God is. How about yeah. that? And yeah. so you find your way back to church. Uh, this is a fascinating story, by the way. And uh, for several weeks, you don't actually make it into the church, right. but yet you're still hearing the message by standing out in the hallway, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's just how amazing God is, yeah. right? I mean, you know, the, all these years later to look back and say, man, I couldn't even walk in the door. Wow. And yet here I am an, an ordained pastor in the Methodist church and preach every Sunday. and that? Yeah. So anyway, made my way in there and had always really been in leadership in different capacities in my in my life and just very quickly was invited into a number of different leadership opportunities in the church and I felt like such a faker. Mm. Um Fake you know, it till you make it, huh? Well, you know, cut a long story short, I still feel like a faker, y'all. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I feel so inadequate, and that's truly where you have to rely on the on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You really, really do. But um, I've never was, met anybody that was completely adequate, anyway. So, well, I go. have big questions for them if they believe they are <laughs> adequate. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, was invited into these different leadership type positions, and just really felt like God was taking me on the fast track, and I. I was drinking from a fire hose, um, you know, got involved in um, a number of disciple Bible studies. If you're familiar with the, the Bible, disciple Bible study track, did all of them, um, became a Stephen minister in the caregiving ministry. You're what we call a sponge. I, I, I volunteered in every aspect of the church. I was a youth um, 
leader of a girls small group, high school girls small group. I taught children's Sunday school. I did VBS. I mean, I did all of the things. And looking back on it, why why do you think you were doing all those things? I was trying to figure out where I fit. Ah, so sometimes when you see somebody that's around the church and they're volunteering for everything, mm-hmm. maybe it's maybe that's the case, right? I think so, but you know what? I often tell them to do is just pick one thing, <laughs> pick one <laughs> thing, and figure out if that's the thing, and if it's not, then pick the other thing. Because while I tend to be a, a high capacity, do it all kind of a person, I, I my husband reminds me regularly that not everyone is Heather. <laughs> and so, you know, some of us need to take a more measured approach to things. And so I respect that and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. And that's where, you know, real growth can happen when we have that focus. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was try all the things and um, and figure out where you fit. And so uh, I kept trying all of the things and I just felt like there was something more, something more, something more. In the meantime, um, my husband, um, we had one daughter, uh, Ariana, and she was two and had asked to be baptized. And my husband said to her, you don't even know what that means. Mm. And she said, yes, daddy, I do. That That's how you show Jesus you love him. She wow. was all of two years old wow. at that point. Yes. This is what um, preschool in the church can do for a child. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Preschool and Sunday school. So was he supportive of your faith in all of he this? He was. Time? He never. He. I mean, he had to parent to the girls when I wasn't there. He had to provide the meals. He had to work around my schedule, doing you know Stephen ministry and meeting with my care receivers and Bible studies and and wow. the different events and stuff I was involved with and leading. So he was always supportive, but he was like, "That's your thing. It's not my thing." Mm-hmm. So. Um, so it was we were pregnant with Sierra when the 70 plus year old Sunday school leader of my class who was a retired uh, VP from Georgia Power um, had led the class through the Bible two times and so I had been there I guess about in that class for about 2 years and he said okay we're going to do this again but um, we are going to walk through the Bible looking at the archaeological evidence for the events in the Bible. Well, Martin's always loved history. Wow. Loved archaeology. Probably would have become an archaeologist if there wasn't like heat and outdoors <laughs> involved. <laughs> uh, there's always a downside. <laughs> yeah, he loves history. Uh, and so I invited him to come and be a part of that, and he came. And he started coming to Sunday school with me. So it was Sunday school before church. Um, so he started coming to Sunday school with me. He said crazy heretical things. And there was such a wide variety of people, single, married, (laughs) young, old, um, no one ever said anything that was not loving to him and just encouraging. And what a gift. They really loved him to Jesus. I, I absolutely believe they did. Um, so that's part of the story. And then the other part was we had a young, very charismatic, um, pastor come to the church that started a worship service that um, Martin also loves music. Ah, and so, so he, music and archaeology, yes, that was yes, the key. Yes, yes, <laughs> I was talking to, to somebody the other day about his love for, yesterday, uh, about his love for music. He loves keyboard music, Depeche Mode, you know, okay, the, all the yeah. 80s stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. the, the really good stuff. The really good stuff, yeah, <laughs> from when we grew up. <laughs> 
So um, I said, there's this new pastor. I think you would love him. He really, I didn't, you know, helps. He's very relational. He really relates and applies, you know, what we're reading in the Bible and the music is great. You would love it. So he had been coming to Sunday school. He made the leap and he started coming to worship. Mm. So it was a very gradual. It wasn't overnight. No, sir. It was several years. Mm. And so he started coming to worship and um, we had had our second daughter, uh, Sierra, Sierra was um, almost two um, when Martin gave his life to Jesus, and wow. they were Praise all God. baptized together on Easter Sunday. Yes, yeah, it was. What a, an Easter for Mama! <laughs> I, I I joked and said I didn't know if I should um, crawl down the aisle on my hands and knees because I was so <laughs> humbled and amazed at God, uh-huh. or if I should run down the aisle like a Price Is Right contestant because. <laughs> Come I was down. that excited. It was I was that excited. Oh, um, there are so many things that happened in between, but God just did amazing work to bring all of that about. Wow, that is an incredible story. Um, and to think that um, there's no way you could have figured this out or no. even known what to pray for, right? Holy moly, no. Yeah. No, no, no. You know, and you try to give God your plan and say, okay, God, if you would just do this, this, and yeah. this. <laughs> Bless it. This would totally work. But the things <laughs> that, I mean, <laughs> yeah, talk about his ways being bigger and different than our ways. I mean, what God did, I never could have come up with on my own, mm-hmm. you know. So you, you go from this away from the church to connected to the church to uh, at what point do you start realizing, oh my goodness, I think I'm going to be a minister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think Martin, it's been about a year and a half since Martin had given his life to Jesus. Everyone was baptized. He was more engaged in the church and different things that were going on and um, and serving. And I just felt like there was something more, and that pers- that did not leave me. And so um, we had another uh, pastor. By now, you'd fulfilled every role in the church, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> except, I'm like, what pastor. else is there, right? I was a lay leader. I was um, the assistant yeah. lay leader for this, this very large church, so probably the youngest lay leader they'd ever had at the time. But um, so I just kept asking, what you know, what's next? What what more? And we had another pastor come to the church, a pastoral transition, and um, he had invited my husband to be a part of something, um, a smaller group that he was leading on hospitality. And he really wanted to get, given my husband's background and and certainly Middle Eastern culture and their sense of hospitality, which is very different from ours, um, he wanted to engage him in that conversation as well. And so he was at my house and he saw that I was reading, had, had a copy of the writings of Josephus on okay. my coffee table, and he walked by it and he said to to Martin, "Heather's going to go to seminary." And Martin said, "No, she's not." And he said, "Yes, she is. No, she's not. Yes, she is. No, she's not." <laughs> and it kind of ended. And they they never told me about that conversation until later. Um, but I just so anyway, I kept having that that sense. And because then I, apparently, if you read Josephus Flavius, it means you're going on to higher education. Is that what that means? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he saw all the things I was doing in the church plus that. So hey, if you're thinking about buying the book uh, from Josephus Flavius, be very careful. It could uh, change your career. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. But if somebody teaches it really, really well, yeah. that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. <laughs> So I went to my friend um, who was uh, the the head of dis- adult discipleship at the church at the time, and I said, man, you know, I I just feel like all of these things are calling me to, to, min- to the vocation of ministry. I mean, I am a minister. This other 
pastor had said, you are a pastor because of all of the things that you're doing. You are a minister. But I just felt like there was there was something more. And so she said, well, just ask God. And I said, what? You can do that? <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me get this right. I didn't right. know that, you know. So I'm like, well, that's pretty quick, crazy question to ask. First of all, you know, it seems a little less than humble, and mm. but it was such. A, I felt it so strongly. So I had a practice at that time that I have continued to this day, um, twenty plus years of prayer journaling every single day, mm. and so it helps me focus because yeah. I'm all over the place. I'm Can't making, go to sleep making when the you're grocery list while I'm trying to pray. Right, so. <laughs> I was prayer journaling and I just, you know, I got to the end of my prayers and I said, all right, God, this is what I feel like you're calling me to do. Um, but don't you know who I am, where I've been, what I've done? I have two little girls. I mean, Sierra was less than three at the time and Ariana was um, seven. Mm. Martin had been a believer for a year and a half. Wow. I'm like, I don't know how this works. Like he did not sign up for this. I guess this is in the better or worse part, but he did not sign up to be a pastor's <laughs> husband. I don't know. So um, I said, you're literally going to have to hit me over the head with this because this is crazy, hmm. you know? And so I put down my prayer journal. You're and probably not the first person ever called by God to think that. Yeah. Oh, I right? know that for sure. And yeah. I think everybody, thank God. I think everybody deals with that doubt. Yeah. Thank God. Mm. So I, I, Picked up my, I was doing Christian Believer at the time, which is a part of the whole Disciple Bible Study series. And Christian Believer addresses the doctrines of the church. And we were talking about the the providential God that week. And interestingly enough, um, the scripture, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a type A, so I will tell you that I did my homework on the right days. I was not one of these people that I'm like, I'm going to do it all on the last day, or I'm going to do three of them and four of them or whatever. I did them on the right day. Playing by the rules. Yes, sir. I picked up my homework for that day, <laughs> and the reading was from John 15. Mm. And it was, I no longer call you a servant because a servant doesn't know his master's business. I call you friend because mm. everything my father made known to me, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. There you go. To go and bear fruit, fruit there that will go. last. And I just broke. Lost it. It was a literal word from God it, for exactly the question I was asking in mm. the exact moment I asked it. I did not have to put out any fleece. Mm -hmm. I did not have to wait. It was a direct answer immediately, and I just fell apart. I just I could not believe that I had heard from the living God, like yeah. so directly. Through Scripture. So God directly through, through, through Scripture. You know what I heard uh, that I really love is, uh, I think it was Tozer that said it, if you have a verse, you don't need a voice. Mm. If the scripture has already made it clear, then quit asking for a neon sign, right? Right, right. <laughs> Give me a sign. If you got a verse, you don't need a voice. But I, I really, um, so I went back to my friend and I told her what had happened. And she was like, well, duh, hello, Heather, it's God calling, you know. <laughs> um, and I said, well, I don't know how I'm going to tell Martin, you know. How am I going to tell Martin this? I don't even know. And so it was probably about a week and a half that I, I could not bring myself to Were you tell nervous him. about telling your husband yes. that God had called you in the yes. ministry? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because of all of the implications. Yeah, I get it. All of and all of the implications. So it was about a week and a half and um he found me crying in the shower <laughs> because I was wrestling with how do I tell him? Uh, this is a man that was not brought up in the church. This yeah. was all new to him. And 
you know, it was going to mean great sacrifice for us wow. to take this different direction in our lives that neither of us had, you know, saw, seen as our future. And so um, I said, okay, I've got to tell you something. You don't have to say anything. I bet he's thinking this is horrible news yeah. we're about to get, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I really, I'm like, I'm your wife. You're my husband. I have to tell you this. And... <laughs> So I'm going to tell you this, and you don't have to say it. I kept saying, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything. Oh, poor and guy. I know. So I told him, <laughs> um, I, this the God of the, the universe <laughs> has asked me to do this. I can't say no. And, um, and so we didn't talk about it at first, and then we talked about it a little bit, and it was, you know, it was kind of like trying it on for size, like, how does this feel? What does this look like? Mm-hmm. What does this mean? Mm-hmm. All of those things. And that... Um, and those are even questions you can't answer at the time, no. right? Yeah, describing the call of God to people is fascinating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. it? It's so interesting to know that you're called, but but not know how to describe that. Yeah, yeah. So we, we I gradually shared it with others. And, you know, the standard answer I got was, duh, what took you so long? Or... <laughs> Well, we knew that already, or you know, and so that was very affirming. Um, I'm like, you know, nobody told me, yeah. but uh, God was like, "Hello, I am going to hit you over the head." It was the cosmic secret yeah. you just didn't know it, huh? So that was very affirming. Um, and then I asked, you know, people that I would consider my wise counsel, people that have that relationship with God, people that had a mature faith. You know, what do you think of this? Mm-hmm. And, um, and they, again, affirmed, affirmed me. And then my concern was timing, you know, my, my girls were little and all of those things. And when they grow up and have their own families. Well, and and frankly, I mean, I heard that more from women in the church. Um, yeah, you need to be a mom. Um, this can wait kind of a thing, but I mean, I was, you know, mid late thirties at that point. So I didn't feel like I could wait. I felt like I needed to, to get on with it. And, um, so I was frankly a little bit offended by some people that told me those things. Really? Mm-hmm. You should just wait and be a mom mm-hmm. and figure that out later. Be a, be a good mom, be a good wife, and wow. yeah. So uh, I know you go on to seminary, you go to Asbury, which mm-hmm. is a great, great seminary, and, uh, and you become get all of the, the papers they give to preachers to be official and ordination, and yeah. then you become pastoring and all. And so where's your heart now when it comes to... Um, uh, you were this person not connected to the church to now you're leading a church. Yeah. Um, what are you seeing now happen in the world when it comes to connecting people to Christ? Mm-hmm. I think the the world with the world comes a great deal of distractions, especially as our um, our world and our culture has changed so dramatically. Not only from you know I think most people's go to with the distractions is social media and the internet. Okay, well that's part of it, but before that. Um, it's that the, the church um, less and less is the center of the, of society. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in the 1950s, you'd move somewhere and you would automatically connect yourself with the church. It's where you met people, where you knew people, where you did business and, and you know, um, developed business partnerships and relationships in the community um, and friendships. And that's where your community was really built through your church. Um, but today, the church is more and more on the fringe of society. And there are so many things that that steal our time in this twenty four seven culture where we really don't know how to practice the Sabbath anymore. Um, but everything is going and on all of the time. And so you you make choices and how you spend your time. 
You know, let me let me speak to that for a second because yeah. this concept of the church being on the fringe of society. I know so many people come back to church for what you said was, well, we're a new family, we got to figure this out. But so many people come back to the church because something's happened. Yes. You know, I remember after 9-11, I remember mm. the Sunday after 9-11 was packed yeah. at the church I was serving. And then you kind of watched it slowly mm-hmm. uh, decline again. But uh, it's almost like in my mind, and I, I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but when I see somebody new to church, I always wonder to myself, either you're new to the area or something, something dramatic ha- is something happening. Has happened. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you hate to act that way, you know, mm-hmm. to folks, but you know that... In other words, or God's stirring something in their heart, and they think that going to church is going to answer that for them. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.